This episode of Tub Talk is brought to you by Avast Business. With over 435 million active users of Avast products, if you haven't already taken a look at what Avast Business is offering, now might be the time. Visit tubblog.co.uk forward slash Avast for all the links to the details. Right now, though, let's jump into our featured interview. Well, hello there, Richard Tup, back again with another interview, and I'm joined today by my good friend, Mark Copeman. Now, Mark, as well as being a help desk superhero, is also the author, author of the wonderful book, Help Desk Habits, from customer service agent to help desk superhero in 50 Habits. We're going to jump straight into the conversation with Mark, but I want to start off, Mark, with a little bit of a, um, a quote, a famous quote from Mayor Angelou that you actually included, or rather your foreword, uh, Linda included in the book. Uh, Mayor says, I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Uh, wonderful quote to start the book. Thank you for joining us. Let's talk a little bit more about how you can make people feel good with customer service. Before we do, though, for anybody who's not familiar with who you are, perhaps you can give us a little bit of a, an idea of what brought you uh, to the point in your career you're at there. Hi, Richard. Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, um, yeah, it's it's been a, a I think varied career, uh, as, as somebody said. Uh, someone said the other day they've had uh, more jobs than uh, than one of Vader's emperors, or no, more emperors, uh, more lieutenants than than Darth Vader, or something like that. Anyway, I, I kind of fit into that particular <laughs> camp, and I'll get the quote right next time I actually say it. But um, uh, my background, I had a couple of marketing agencies which I built up and sold. Um, and um, uh, part of that experience was was starting to understand how uh, clients were feeling about you, um, you know, as an account manager, as an account director, as a business owner. Um, and um, I met a lady who had put a, a very simple system in place for her agency, which I was working for interim. And um, after she finished that agency, she called me up and she said, Mark, do you fancy building this thing? Uh, and I said, no, I'm too busy. I'm, I'm having too much fun doing the agency stuff. But she persuaded me. Uh, and in 2010, uh, we built uh, from scratch with very little knowledge, a uh, customer thermometer, which was pretty much the first one-click feedback survey tool um, on the market. And it was actually originally aimed at the marketing agency space. But uh, suddenly, kind of out of the blue, we started to have these things called MSPs uh, signing up. Um, and I'll be really honest with you, back in 2012, perhaps, um, whilst I had a big background in IT, I, I wasn't aware of the uh, enormous community of, of managed service providers out there. And we actually pivoted the business and started to integrate with a lot of the PSAs and form relationships with them. And so I spent many years talking to, working with, um, well, literally hundreds of MSPs around the world uh, about CSAT, uh, about customer experience and so on. Um, and it was just an absolute delight. I loved it. Um, and I loved it because we were really able to help people make a tangible difference uh, to what they were doing. And then I exited Customer Thermometer in uh, 2018. I sat back, uh, enjoyed the, uh, the summer, uh, the World Cup, um, and um, decided what to do next. And I, just, I was just sort of compelled, really. I've always wanted to write a book. Everyone always wants to write a book. But I thought, well, it's my time to do this. Um, and so Help Desk Habits was born, and off the back of that, uh, the online program as well. It's an incredible book. It sort of swept the MSP industry um, uh, when, when you released it into this day. Um, I remember reading it. It was probably about a year ago, a, few, a couple of months after it was released, and I just thought, 
it's one of those books I can't believe nobody had addressed this subject before. Now, I know the book itself, you know, it can be used for anybody in customer service, really, can't it? And, and perhaps we'll talk a little bit more about that. But from the MSP's perspective and from help desk uh, people's perspective as well, it was like this, this is a book that needed to be written years ago and you know, <laughs> it's only just been uh, uh, sort of published now so congratulations on a fantastic book i'm gonna make sure that we include a link in the show notes uh, for anybody who's not already read this i would say this is absolutely uh, required reading though well, what's the feedback been like to the to the book well, amazing. I mean, obviously, I'm going to say that, uh, but I'm actually genuinely humbled by it because it's very easy to sit, you know, in, in your office um, and and create. And I, I've done that um, all my life. And and when you uh, when you create, you don't really know if it's any good. You don't really know if it's actually going to make a difference. You hope it is, but you're never quite sure. Um, and and so it's not until you start receiving emails from people just you know saying thank you. Uh, and wow, and this has made a real difference, uh, that I, I actually got one, no word of a lie, about an hour before we started talking from a, an MSP in the UK. And it, it's, just, it's just a lovely thing to know, uh, cliche alert, but you, know, you are genuinely making a difference to somebody's business. Uh, and we had that with customer thermometer too. You, know, you, you create something and it spreads to the far corners of the earth. Um, but when you get people saying to you, look, this is changing my business, and you know, you've never met them before. You know, you know this, Richard. You create enough content. Um, it, it's just a lovely feeling. Um, and it just you, you want to do more of it. Yeah, makes sense. Well, again, congrats on the book. Right, that's the nice stuff said. I'm yeah. gonna grill. I'm gonna grill you now, mate. We're gonna jump straight into it. So come on, then, Paxman. <laughs> come on. <laughs> so we've we've already, you know, I've alluded to the fact this book is aimed at MSPs, uh, but it's not just it's not just advice for service desk and help desk people, but. You know, the sort of things you talk about really are applicable if you're in account management, if you're in finance, marketeers, even HR and so on and so forth. What is it about customer service that, um, that, that really gets you excited and how, why does it span so many areas of business? Uh, good question. And, and yeah, you're right. I mean, I've had, um, I've certainly have MSPs. Uh, it's hard to know who the book's passed on to, but from, a, from the online program perspective, I've had MSPs buy... Uh, licenses for the whole business, and they they told me specifically, you know, um, you know right across the business, they're they're going to mandate that that it's done, um, and I think it's because, um, uh, and I and I talk about this when I when I give when I give speeches, but so often people are trained in their discipline, um, you know. So if, if you are a technician, you know, you you'll go on a certification, you know, you'll learn how how a database works, you'll learn how to to debug something. Um, if you're an accountant, you know, you'll do your accountancy exams. But for me, it's kind of assumed that people will know how to deal with customers. They'll know how to do and say and write the right things. But actually, the more I sort of dug into it, the more I realized, hang on a second, how often are we trained to do that? Everyone sort of assumes that we'll just do all those things correctly. And you know, if you're not that way inclined... Then you're not going to, and sometimes um, you need to be shown the way. You know, in the same way you're taught how to do accountancy uh, practices, you need to be taught how to deal with customers. And it, and it's not, you know, let's assume people know how to interact with people generally, but I'm talking about the little bits of detail which you may not realise can make a really big difference to people. Mm. Isn't customer service intuitive though? Why? <laughs> 
you know, I, I speak to people and they say, yeah, that's common sense when we talk about uh, uh, customer service. Why do people not do it? Why isn't it intuitive? Well, well, I've always been intrigued by that question as well. Um, and it's um, it's an IQ versus EQ thing for me. Um, you know, people, are, uh, they, they have, their, their, their IQ is... It's kind of set according to you know people that really know by the time you're sort of in your early 20s. But the good news is that EQ, the emotional quotient or emotional intelligence, can actually go up as well as down, like you know, like your mortgage repayments, and it, it can uh, you can affect that during the the period of your life. Um, so I I think for for some people, you know, you say isn't it just intuitive, but how often do you come off you know, perhaps the phone to a, I don't, I don't know, you know a, a generic call center, it's a utilities or you know, perhaps a, a large TV satellite uh, type company and just go, oh, that was just the worst. You know? and, and so if it's intuitive, um, then why isn't everybody doing it? They're not. It's as simple as that. However, you also think the opposite. When you've had an amazing experience and you put the phone down or you, you read the email, you celebrate it. You tell people, you know, and you go, oh, wow, you know, these guys are brilliant. Um, there's, there's sort of a natural reaction off the back of it. So, um, yeah, I don't think it is intuitive. For some people, I think it is, um, but not, not for probably the majority. And that, there's no science in that, Richard. That's just sort of years of experience and, and working with people. Yeah, you're big on psychology, though, aren't you? And habits in particular. I know, you oh, know I love this is something you've you've done a lot of training on, and it's a personal passion of yours. What, how, and why people do things? Why is that important to customer service? It's important, um, and not just for customer service. You can apply it to any sort of walk of life, really. But it's it's important because. The traditional way people learn, um, they, they'll read something, whether it be in a book, um, you know, on, on video, whatever it may be, and they'll go, oh, yeah, great. And you know, they'll pick up a tactic. Um, and they may um, uh, employ that tactic for you know, a week, two weeks. And However, if that tactic is kind of um, diametrically uh, the opposite to what you're used to doing, what typically happens is that you will... Uh, sort of fall back. It's like, you know, reformatting your hard drive. Uh, you, you will go back to what you um, had previously learnt. Um, your body defaults, your, not your body as such, your brain defaults to its, its natural um, state over time. Unless you take that tactic that you've learnt, um, you truly embed it um, and you turn it into that habit. And once you've done that, um, and there is a very specific way of, of doing it, but once you've done that, um, it's actually incredibly hard to break. In the same way, it's incredibly hard to form a habit. Um, but you know, as we, as you and I sit here right now, you know, we are the products of our habits for however many years we've 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 been on this earth. And I'm not going to reveal that. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, the things that we do and say every day. You know, there's research out there, um, uh, American universities that talk about sixty six zero percent of our day is made up of unconscious thoughts. We, we just do what we do naturally without even thinking about it. And that's pretty scary. Yeah, yeah. Now, you and I are both very, very familiar with the MSP industry. Um, MSP industry is full of automation. We've got bots, we've got email responders, you've got all of this stuff going on to, uh, I guess, try to grease the wheels of customer service and to make things better. Mm -hmm. But you talk quite a lot about human customer service. For anybody who's not familiar with that, what do you mean by human customer service? Well, I guess I mean the opposite 
of the AI and the bots uh, and, and so on. It, it, it is the human intervention. It's the, um, how can I put it, the, the non-process elements uh, where, where human beings interact with other human beings, whether using voice uh, or, or in the written word as well. Um, and let, let me let me be clear. You know, I'm not I'm not against AI and bots and technology. You know, far from it. You know, I I love all that stuff, but in the right place. So you know, self service help, for example, um, absolutely. You know, that's got to be in place. You know, any any SaaS provider out there that hasn't got really good um, self service, um, you know, with all the right sort of FAQs, knowledge base, all those sorts of things. You know, they're missing a trick, no question. However. We have to be giving customers the option, wherever possible and however easily, to talk to real-life human beings um, or to be able to write to real-life human beings and get a real-life human being-type response in a sensible time frame as well. Um, so that's what, that's what I mean by human customer service. And I think to just to add to that briefly... Um, people just just crave authenticity these days. You know, there, there's you get that sort of oh, big sigh when you realise you know you're, you're talking to a chatbot. And quite often these things, sometimes they dress themselves up and pretend to be human, and sometimes they say, "Hi, I'm a chatbot." Actually, I don't know which is worse, Richard. I, I don't know if I prefer uh, it to be pretending or not. But either way, when you realise that you're dealing with a computer, and and perhaps you've got a question which is you know, a little bit tricky, and there is no way in the world some kind of decision tree is going to give you an answer, then it can be really frustrating. And you need that path through to, to a real person for me. I just think that's such a differentiator. It's so important. Yeah, agreed. There's nothing more frustrating than, um, you know, getting through to a 12-layer uh, <laughs> customer telephone, you know, press one for this, press two, and it's like, I'm pressing the hash key as uh, often as possible. Just put me through to a human being. I just want to get this done. And I'm already starting off the call then in a in a fairly, furious is not the right word, but a frustrated manner. But that's a great point. That's an absolutely brilliant point. And because you're, yeah, you're, you're setting the tone for the, for the conversation to start. And if I may, I'll, I'll give you another example of that. Please. Um, and that, that is in, in a chat scenario where, you know, we're seeing that, that more and more and it can be hugely convenient. It's brilliant. Um, and then we've all, we're all consumers. We've all had experiences, good and bad, of these types of situations. But there is nothing worse for me. Um, and I talk about in some of the workshops that I give, where you, and I've got brilliant screenshots, and I do try and protect the names. Uh, and let's face it, it's normally the bigger company where you've, you've typed in your issue, your problem. You know, typically perhaps something isn't right because otherwise you wouldn't be hanging around on the chat. And the first thing that comes back is that automated response going something along the lines of, hi, Mark, I hope you're having a great day. I'm really looking forward to helping you out right now. How can I help? And you're just going, no, I'm having a bad day because whatever it is you sold me isn't working. And here I am wasting my time trying to solve it. So it's about that empathy. It's about that first step. Just And it should really be, that response should really be, Mark, I'm really sorry to hear that. I'm going to get onto this right away. By the way, my name's Dave. And then, bang, you're into the conversation. So tiny, subtle changes can make a huge difference. Yeah. Now, lots of MSPs are going to be listening to this, and there's going to be lots of MSPs who, dare I say, struggle to find the right people to man their service desks, man their help desks. Mark, do you think that uh, empathy, customer service, can be taught to everybody, or does it take a certain type of person? Oh, you're not the first person to ask me that. Um, 
And if I'm going to be super honest here and say, I don't know the absolute answer. Um, I think I'd, I'd be lying or most people be lying if, they said if there's a black and white answer to that. Um, I've seen and I've heard from uh, people that have been through the program and, and in other walks of life as well that have, have gone through some kind of training program to say that you know, this particular individual they've, they've really changed, you know, they've really listened, they've really learned. And, um, I guess, uh, this is a little anecdotal, but I guess most of those situations, people have been younger. Okay. If you're you know, slightly older, <laughs> perhaps even as old as me, you can see the gray hair, I think on the <laughs> webcam, if you're watching this, um, it's harder to change and it's harder to change because those habits that you've created coming back to that are more ingrained. So I guess, um, you know, I, I don't want to completely generalize on age, but I think that's a, it, it's a consideration. Um, but I think it's about having a desire as well. You know, if, if, it's like anything in life. If you, if you want to improve on something, first of all, you have to recognize you're, you're perhaps, you know, not as good as you could be. And so, you know, you're going to go on your own journey of trying to figure stuff out. And I think if you've got that will inside you and you have a, you know, the right sort of program in front of you and support from, you know, your boss, the people around you, then you have a chance to change for sure. So, so there will always be some people who will struggle to embrace that customer service ethos, you know, particularly if their real passion and their real interest is you know, deep and dark and dirty tech type stuff, and that's all they want to do. Uh, and I think sometimes you just have to accept that, if I'm really honest. Um, but I'd, I'd like to think that's the minority. Um, and maybe those sorts of people, you, you understand that, and you, you move them back <laughs> behind the front line um, a little bit and let them utilize the skills um, as, they, as best they're able. Yeah, that's great advice. Now, do you, I've do gone you, on, you think the same. I'm intrigued to know what I, you think to that. I do, I do. And actually, uh, the, re the, the reason uh, that question was prompted was I was actually having a conversation with an MSP who have got a, uh, a wonderful um, young person on their help desk, but the person keeps making the same mistakes again and again and again. And they actually said to me, you know, it, when we hired this person, we felt like they had the right attitude, but they're just not clicking. And I'll, I'll be totally honest, I pointed them towards your book <laughs> and said, because, uh, and again, this is not, you know, um, uh, making you blush unduly here, but I've gone on record as saying, I think this help desk habit should be part of every MSP's onboarding process. Uh, and the reason I say that is in the book, you very masterfully sort of um, uh, uh, address the fact that not everybody who's on a help desk wants to be there. Some people are going to want, are going to be there because they're passing through to job. Other people absolutely love it. Uh, and then some people are just going to see it as a, as a stepping stone or uh, something, you know, that just pays the bills. Mm. So I think regardless of, of who they are, you know, the book is uh, uh, required for them. But to, to rewind a little bit, do you have any advice for people on, before they reach that situation where they've got a member of staff who's just not clicking, have you got any advice how to hire people for their service desk and help desk who have got the right attitude? Um, yeah, some a, a few thoughts. Um, and actually, you know, some of these are borrowed from other, you know, who has an original thought these days anyway? <laughs> eh? So I'll, uh, uh, there's a disclaimer right there for you. Um, and in the process, and I, we may touch on it later, there's, there's a, a second book on its way. And in the process of doing that, I was in a very privileged position of talking to so many different people. Um, and it, one of the um, areas of this particular book is about recruitment. 
um, and typically in, in, in the help desk environment. Um, so the, one of the first things to, uh, to bring up um, is that certainly uh, some of our colleagues in, in the States and actually here in the UK as well, I've had two or three conversations with MSPs here in the UK, are actively recruiting from the hospitality industry. Okay. So these are you know, young people who have you know, perhaps worked in uh, restaurants, um, cafes, who have a, a, a fabulous demeanor. Um, they're naturally good at doing and saying and writing the right things and, and working with customers, but they have absolutely no technical experience or at least a, a very, very low level. And they're investing in those people and they are putting them through certifications and providing they've got a certain level of um, you know, ability to, to take on that sort of knowledge they are working out incredibly well. Um, so that, that's, that's a bit of a sort of a curveball, um, and, and it may not work for everybody. And I can't sit here and say, look, you know, that's the answer. But particularly, well, certainly places like San Francisco, for example, uh, where there is an incredible tech shortage um, uh, because, you know, the, the, the employment rate is, um, is so high, it's really, really hard to, to find good people. Um, so that's one angle, hospitality. Um, uh, another angle, because I'll, I'll try and keep this, this brief, but part of the recruitment process, and I, I find this this one is is mind blowing, and and I I was quite shocked when I, I talked to this particular lady about it. Um, once she's brought somebody on board, um, two weeks into her very very structured induction program, she offers them a sum of money to leave. You know, you've heard yeah, this. Yeah, I've come across this with a big company, uh, Zappos. Okay, okay. Yeah, Zappos, I offer, I think it's $500 or $1,000 for somebody to leave. Yeah, I see. Off the top of my head, I think it was a couple of thousand dollars um, that this particular lady who who runs this business um, in the States, she she was offering. That was the first thing that she did. The second thing she did, or does, as part of this induction program, um, is to give uh, these new recruits um, homework, um, you know, once, two, three times a week, whatever it is, and if, she, if they do not come back the next day, and it's small, it's not big, but if they don't come back the next day with something you know, really worthwhile and valuable, she fires them. Wow. And she does that because if they fall at this very, very simple hurdle early on in their career, what's going to happen further down the track? It's just going to get harder and harder uh, to fire them. They're clearly not the right people. So uh, it's like, wow, okay, that's a really interesting approach, but it really does work for her. So hopefully there's something in there of, of interest. There is. That's that's great feedback. And and, and my friend and fellow, uh, our fellow MSP author, Carl Palachuk, uh, told me when he ran an MSP and he was recruiting members of staff, his was a very system and process-driven uh, business. And so you could be the best technician in the world, but if you couldn't follow systems and processes, you were going to fall out um, with them. And so during the recruitment process, um, when he asked people to send uh, a cover letter in, uh, he asked them for a cover letter and a link to their MCP, their Microsoft Certified Professional, transcript. And he said the amount of people who sent in the cover letter without the link or sent in the cover letter with the transcript. And he said, no, 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 they were dismissed immediately because it was very, very clear on, on the letter that they sent, you know, inviting them for an interview. Before we go ahead with this, I want you to send a cover letter and I want you to send me a link to your MCP transcripts. Now, it sounds such a, you know, such a, a small thing to do, but he said it really did wheedle out the people who were able to follow instructions yeah. and those attention, who just thought they knew to detail. Uh, yeah, yeah, so important. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I, I want to jump into something that you mentioned in the book, which I thought was absolutely uh, fascinating. Talk to me a little bit more about the about customer loyalty and the service recovery paradox. <laughs> One of my favourite uh, habits, actually, Richard, um, and I think it's one of my favourites um, because we've all experienced this. Perhaps we don't know uh, this term, but if I explain it briefly, I'm sure people will relate to it. And it's as simple as this: if if a customer um, experiences a problem and you deal with that problem exceptionally, that customer will become more loyal to you over time than if the problem hadn't happened in the first place. And it, it's best shown in a graphical format, but uh, uh, we're, we're, all, we're, we're just uh, words and pictures here today. So that, that's, that's okay. But look it up, look it up online. Um, you may even discover one of my posts on it. I don't know, but it's fascinating. And, and I, have, I have had a huge experience of this particular one. Um, and, and one of my personal experiences, just to sort of illustrate the point, um, and then I'll also explain how I think it can help. You can help form the right sort of habit around this. But it was back. It was we were about three months into launching Customer Thermometer. It was very very early days back in 2010, and we had a massive problem. Massive. Uh, we only had a handful of customers at the time, and a big FTSE 100 client was our, one of our first. They put their trust in us, uh, and you know, the, they, they did something with the server. They tried to send too many things out, and we hadn't thought about that. And it, it went a bit wrong. Uh, and it was a call on a Friday afternoon. It was a sort of call where you literally wanted the ground to swallow you up. And you know we've all been there and you have to have this as part of your sort of life experience, I think. We shut the service down. Uh, it was that bad because we had to figure out what went wrong. And we worked tirelessly all weekend to figure it out. And on Monday morning, literally knees knocking under the desk, I had to report back to a bunch of lawyers and goodness knows who, because I really thought we were in all sorts of trouble here. Uh, it was a 20-page report, everything detailed, what we were going to do about it and so on. And when I left the business eight and seven years later, um, they were uh, one of our biggest customers and it had spread right across the organization. And I still believe to this day, and we were told it was the best remedial report they'd ever seen. And because we worked so hard at fixing the problem, they, they were indebted to us. They showed real gratitude. And so what I always remember about that and the habit I talk about in the book is we all suffer these pits of despair, as I like to call it on the graph. If you think forward when you're in it to two, three, four, five days time, when you, you know that this is, this is not going to be an issue anymore because you would have dealt with it, it helps your state of mind. It helps you remove the emotion from it and it helps you to remember how you're going to feel in a few days time when the customer is absolutely delighted with you. So I bet you've similar experiences, Richard. I have. Well, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this to you, but my background before I ran an MSP was in corporate IT. And I started my uh, sort of career, 17, 18 years old, working on the help desk service desk of a large IT outsourcing company. And I credit that with, you know, just being the foundations for everything that followed afterwards. As we talked about at the top of the, um, at the top of the call, you know, I don't think customer service is just limited to you know the the uh, the help desk or the service desk, I think mm. it pervades just about um, uh, every area. And the amount of times where um, we've come away getting a higher satisfaction rating from customers because something went wrong, mm. and we were given the opportunity to fix that thing, whereas you know uh, if if everything just goes smoothly, 
um, you don't get that chance to shine. You don't get that chance to actually bond with the customer. So it's a, it's a, it's a sort of fasc- fascinating um, paradox, as you call it, yeah. It might be an old wives' tale, Richard, but there is a story I've certainly heard before from a couple of different people that talked about an alarm business uh, who deliberately put a bug in their alarm service in some way uh, about 11 months into a 12-month contract. So they come out and fix it. People were absolutely delighted with them. And guess what? Happy to renew. Um, I believe they went to prison. Uh, so it's perhaps not the way to go, but <laughs> yeah. uh, it does prove the point. It's that natural human emotion of, of gratitude. Oh, you've got me out of a problem. You've solved something. I am so grateful for you doing that. You know, I'll, I'll renew. I, you know, I'll say thanks. I'll leave you a review. Yeah, I totally yeah. get it. Yeah. And so we're not, neither of us are suggesting that MSP should fit, uh, no, <laughs> fit anything not. that, that, that uh, pushes that. It needs to come naturally, doesn't it? So. <laughs> So talking of naturally, let's talk, if we may, you're the, you know, the help desk superhero here. You teach MSPs how to do this really, really well. Let's talk about some some of the specific uh, tools, techniques that they can use, uh, you know, to build the relationships with their customer. Let's start with the one that I think is the most difficult to learn. I don't know if you'll agree with me. And that's apologies for when you've dropped the ball, for when it's hit the fan, for when it is your fault. And I can tell you, as a consumer, I have fallen out with so many brands who do this incredibly poorly. They don't hold their hands up. They never say, I'm sorry. And no matter what follows from from there on in, I treat them with suspicion because I think this is not somebody who's trustworthy or honest enough to say, hey, we made a mistake. What can MSPs do if they drop the ball? How can they deal with apologies correctly? Uh, do all the things you just said, uh, really, in short. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm completely with you. Um, you know, honesty, uh, trustworthiness, there's such important things, but they have to be earned. You know, it, it doesn't happen overnight. And, um, yeah, pe- people make mistakes, absolutely. And I, and I think... Um, I think, for me, I mean, there's probably a little sort of process to go through. The, the first one is... Um, first of all, it's e- it, sometimes it's easy if you're accused of making a mistake just to go, oh, yeah, I'm really sorry. But a- actually, that there is just that little pause point where you have to make sure of the facts. And I think um, that's something which is really, really important. So if, if someone is, you know, there is a problem, someone is accusing you of causing the problem, I think the first thing to say is, is along the lines, of, I'm, I'm really sorry there's an issue here, okay? So the first thing we're going to do uh, let, let's get hold of the facts here. Um, you know, apologize for there being an issue, but perhaps don't go over the top and apologizing for the fact you know you've caused the problem because you may not have done, and that that's mm. entirely possible. But but acknowledging there is a problem to start with is important. Then, if you like, gather the evidence, find out what's gone on, look at the logs, see what's happened. Um, and if if it's the customer that's caused a problem, or if it's another vendor that's caused the problem. I think that so this is sort of, sort of tangible a, a tangent to, to what you're saying, Richard. But I think that, that then it's it's not to blame others. I think that's important too. I think so. Look, we've looked at everything that's going on here. We've seen that this has caused an issue, and what we're going to do is we're going to contact that vendor. We're going to go and we're going to work with them to put it right. You know, um, it's not we haven't done it, but using the words like well, it's not our problem or you know it wasn't our fault. That doesn't help either. You know, that's a bad way of, of, of dealing with it with an issue. But then to, to follow through, if, if, it, if it's been, you know, the evidence has been gathered and you have, have made a mistake, then I think it does come back to all the things that you were saying. It's, it's just, it's that apology. 
Um, it's not groveling. Um, I think people can go too far. Actually, I think it's yeah. it's a it's a phone call. If you know, depending on, on on the situation, it's not hiding behind an email. Yeah, really sorry, we've we've fixed it now. It's actually you know having the the, the gravitas to call up um, and look. Is there anyone else I should be calling who this has impacted? Just to say I'm sorry. That's a nice touch because then immediately people start to think, wow, that's a really good way of dealing with this. Um, and then. What you do beyond that initial apology, I think, is down to the individual situation. So whether it's crediting someone, uh, whether it's you know it's doing something in addition, um, I think that's kind of a gut feel, uh, depending again on the situation that you find yourself in. Um, but be bold, you know, own up and and have that face to face or phone phone call apology. Don't hide because that's just a bit rubbish. Yeah, yeah. And and take control of it, take responsibility for it. Yeah. I think I was speaking to an MSP last week who was badly let down um, by uh, a big distributor and um, uh, asked, asked for advice. And uh, the, the feedback that we gave them was like, own the situation. And then when the time is right, you can say, hey, the reason this happened is our distributor had this problem, but they're normally really good. We've now had a conversation with them and we've sorted that out so it shouldn't happen again. But at the time, you know, the client didn't want to know about whose fault it was. They just wanted the problem uh, yeah. fixed and, and to be done with. Yeah. yeah. But it reminds the opposite side of that is um, I'm reminded of a, a really infamous uh, politician's uh, quote who got uh, uh, caught doing something wrong and I can still remember the politician on TV said um, I take full responsibility for this mistake and the member of my team who was responsible will be punished for it (laughs) (laughs) I like that let's let's move forward then so we've looked at apologies the other and transparency is the is the key there I think transparency over other issues as well so MSPs have a scope of work in the you know the type of thing that they deliver. Quite yeah. often, I'm asked by MSPs what to do in the situation where a request comes in and it falls out of the scope of work, so it might be chargeable. Do you have any advice on how service desks can be empowered in that situation to to say, hey, we're happy to help you with this, but it's going to be chargeable because the worst thing they can do, isn't it, of just press ahead with the work and then the client gets a, an unexpected bill. Yeah, and I think um, again that every situation is going to be different. There isn't it. Sometimes it's just it's pushing that that scope a fraction. Sometimes it could be an entire work package. You know, so clearly every situation is different. But empowerment of uh, of technicians, uh, I, I think, is a really really important thing. And um, and sometimes tying people down. I mean, look, you know, processes are absolutely critical. Of course, they are. But actually allowing a little bit of flexibility at times, uh, allowing people to make decisions, use their own natural language um, in in replies. There's a whole bunch of things around that. But in that particular situation, I I think um, quite often this comes down to uh, communication and timeliness again. So perhaps if the technician has never seen this sort of thing before, because it might be a brand new situation, it's always, let's, let's just acknowledge this straight away. So look, okay, got your request. Um, I'll be honest, this falls a little bit outside uh, the scope. Let me double check with a colleague and I'll let you know if we can squeeze this in uh, or I'll let you know a price. So you're immediately setting expectations. It could be that the end customer doesn't realize it's out of scope. It could be they know and they're pushing the boundary. So I think showing that that clear 
um, uh, knowledge of what the scope is and that it might be outside of it is a great starting point because it sets that expectation. And then I think it's a case of you know going to the to the relevant person and asking the question on who can make that commercial decision, um, and then and then coming back to them. But um, yeah, it, it's, it's setting that expectation. I think is is the key um, in in the in the communication that, that goes on between um, the help desk and the client. Yeah. Another common scenario that I see uh, MSPs struggling to address is when they're bringing, as they need to do, uh, junior members of staff, so young people into the business. Um, and as you say, perhaps they're not technically trained, um, uh, which doesn't necessarily mean they're not going to be a good fit for a service desk. Let's be clear about that. Um, but they may not know the answer to some of the incoming uh, questions yeah, that are being yeah. asked. How can MSP owners, how can service desk managers train their members of staff to be, first of all, open and honest if they don't know the answer? Because we can all sniff it out, can't we, if somebody's just beating around the bush, doesn't really know. And secondly, how can they set clients' expectations that, hey, I'm not going to be able to answer this, but I'm taking responsibility and I'm going to find an answer for you? So there's two scenarios, I guess, with where that can crop up. First one is via email. Uh, so via ticket, um, a written ticket. The second one is over the phone. So if we take the second one first, let's talk about the phone. I, you know, I, I can relate back to some of my experiences now, um, as you know, as help desk uh, with with customer thermometer or someone actually selling customer thermometer as well. I would get fired questions uh, left, right, and centre. Sometimes quite technical, and um, I try and hold my own, Richard. But you know, sometimes when someone talks about you know an IPsec compliance type survey. I scratch my head a bit because I just don't know. And my response, and I will encourage this, and I'm pretty certain I've this this is included within the habit, if I think it is from memory, is to is this the stock phrase I used to do, and it wasn't, I'd like to, it was authentic. It was like, that's a great question. You know, I've never been asked that before. And it would have been the truth. It would have been a good question, and I wouldn't have been asked it before. Otherwise, I hope I would have known the answer. And it does a couple of things. Um, first of all, it makes you know, the, the, the client feel like they've asked something really intelligent, which they have, so it makes them feel good. Uh, but secondly, it just gives you room to breathe a little bit and say, look, you know, I don't know the answer, you know, but I do, so, do know someone that does. I'll be back to you within the hour or within 24 hours with a, you know, a, a coherent response, uh, which is exactly what you need. I'm not going to try and make this up. And I think if a technician is on the phone and that comes about, I think that is the perfect way of dealing with it. I really do. Um, and there is nobody, unless they're perhaps not particularly sane, who is going to complain at that type of response. With email, uh, with, it, with an email ticket, you know, it, it's slightly different because it's, it's asynchronous. You know, you've got sort of time on your hands. But this also comes, I've mentioned the word a couple of times, you know, timeliness. It's so important. So if someone is, has asked you something or you know, has tried to request something, and it is beyond your own capability. And let's say you can't get with someone for a day. Don't just leave it. They don't know you're working on it. They don't know you've seen it. Acknowledge it. Use similar words if you want, if you want to. Say, look, I've arranged a meeting with my colleague. I'm going to be back to you by two o'clock tomorrow uh, with the right sort of response. Give people times, you know, but and no one's going to mind that. And what it does, setting those expectations mean that people can then plan their day. You know, they're often coming to you, they need to get something done. And if they can't, they're on pause and it's frustrating. But if you tell them by one o'clock tomorrow, whatever it is, 
they can then plan. Uh, and that for me, uh, someone who values time hugely uh, is so, so, so important. Sorry, I'm rambling, but hopefully that was helpful. It, it, no, it's absolute gold. It, it's fantastic. One of, one of the best examples that I've seen of somebody doing this really, really well is uh, uh, Craig Sharp, who is a fellow tribal elder. And we'll talk about uh, the fact that you're a, a tribal elder in the tech tribe. But every single month, uh, Craig and I do a live Q&A um, uh, for tribal members. And uh, Craig and I have both been in the industry over 20 years, you know, you would have thought we'd know everything at this point, yet technology moves on. And uh, Craig always gets a question in the tribal Q&A, how can I configure this firewall? And Craig holds his hands up and says, I don't know, but if you ask a question in the tribal forums and tag so-and-so, they'll be able to answer it for you. And I think it's marvellous. You know, Craig's a, just a genuinely good guy anyway, but the fact that he doesn't try and fluff around it, he, you know, uh, he, uh, and it's not deflecting, it's pointing the person in the direction of the right answer. So, But talking about the Tech Tribe, so I mentioned it briefly, uh, you're a fellow member of the Tech Tribe. You have given incredible value in the tribe. You've got to be uh, known as Mr. Helpdesk there, you know, everything uh, Helpdesk superhero, and uh, recently promoted to a tribal elder as well. Overwhelming, so, Richard. Over, I am disappointed not to have some kind of uh, necklace, but I, I'm going to fashion one out of paper clips at some point. We could do that out of maybe uh, the gold from chocolate coins and that, you know, you get it at Christmas. <laughs> yes. I think we can build that one for you. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, thanks for everything that you do in the Tech Tribe. Just wanted to, to throw that in there. because Well, it's an amazing community. You know, I mean, I, I, I learn a lot from, from people. And I think what's, what's most heartwarming, you know, particularly at the time we're in uh, right now, you know, recording this in, in, in April 2020, um, the amount, and I think that just generally in this industry, I've worked in a number of industries, and it is mind-blowing the amount of um, cooperation, collaboration, community, call it what you will, co-opetition. There's another one I've learned recently. Um, you know, it, it, between fierce competitors in some cases, yet everybody in this industry seems to want to help each other out. And um, it's incredible. And I, I, I can't say it's unique, but it feels unique to me. And I, I love it. And uh, Tech Tribe is a great place to, to see that really in action. Yeah, yeah, very, very cool. We're very grateful for somebody, uh, you know, world-class expertise as you've got being in there and, and helping out. Thank you so much. Um, let's get back to the book then, because I can see you blushing at this point. One of the threads throughout the book is uh, obviously around communication, but it's to do with phrasing. Now, we've already touched on a few different phrases there. Can you give any other examples of how tiny adjustments to, to phrasing can, can mean winning the day rather than falling flat on your face? Yeah, I can. And actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wiggle. If I wiggle um, my mouse on my PC behind me, hopefully these screens will come alive. You probably can't, can't quite see them. But actually, these are rotating. And um, there are, inside the online program, there are desktop wallpapers, which sounds very gimmicky. Um, but it's not. Uh, it really does work as uh, a, a reminder, as a reinforcement for the various habits. And the one behind me right now says, phrase correctly, be aware of your natural style. And then underneath that, it says, you have to log out first with a, with a, a strike through uh, right the way across it. And it's an example of a phrase which, you know, if, if you are technically minded um, and you're not thinking about that human customer service element. It's very, very easy. And I'll tell you what, I, she'll never listen to this, but my wife is one, and she's the first to admit it, to write very directly. And she's, she knows that. 
And she will always reread texts to friends <laughs> because she can come across as sounding really quite harsh. She doesn't mean to. It just comes out in a very business-like way. So the example behind me says, you know, you have to log out first. To some, so if you're, if you're trying to explain to someone how to do something, you have to log out first. It can come across as quite harsh. And just by using a few extra words before or after a round, it, it can come across as quite different. So, you know, in that particular instance, you know, uh, if you're already logged in, don't forget you need to log out first and then you'll see a, you know, an, an indication of that in the toolbar above. So actually going, it might sound to a technician completely over the top, but to a, perhaps a non-technical customer, it just sounds, oh, okay, that's cool. That's really nice. And it's being very, very mindful um, of your audience. I'm a help desk right now in, a, in another venture that I have. Uh, it's, a, it's a fitness venture. Um, and I deal with a, a lot of people, sometimes, you know, 60, 70 years of age when it comes to subscriptions and adding credit card details and all the rest of it. And I've got really, really good. I'm trying to practice what I preach about rereading. And this is another technique, rereading those phrases and just thinking about, will that 65-year-old person understand? I understand it, but will a 65-year-old person understand it? Or in an MSP's case, you know, will a, will a non-technical person understand, uh, you know, how to get, a, I don't know, a command prompt up, you know? Uh, can, I, can I put step one, step two, step three? You know, can I, can I separate some sentences? Can I put something in bold? Um, just to make it super, super clear to avoid that reply going, huh, it's not working. I don't understand what you mean. And another 24 hours go by for the customer. So yeah. Yeah. just reread the stuff and think about your audience, I, I, I think is absolutely critical. Fantastic advice. And, and there is a number of examples of just that little tweaking phrases that you include throughout the book, which um, are, are gold dust in of, of themselves as well. Now, I just want to pick up on something you mentioned earlier on. We would be remiss um, if we didn't mention that any MSPs listening to this, not only can they pick the book up, which is, for me, an absolute no-brainer. I can't stress this enough. Um, you know, go and pick this book up. It's absolutely essential to uh, MSPs, anybody who does any type of customer service, service desk or anything else. But you've got the uh, online training as well. So if anybody listening to this mm -hmm. wants to find out more and perhaps go through a training course, tell us more about what that online training looks like. Yeah, and I'm, you'll put the link in the show notes there, Richard, I'm sure. Yeah. And um, uh, Yeah, it's people learn in different ways. Um, and when I wrote the book, um, I did it knowing that the, um, the, the core of the, uh, the, the text there would form the basis for a script for the online program. And you know, a lot of my background uh, is video. Um, you know, despite the face for radio, you know, I've, I've managed to do a few videos uh, along the way. Um, and so I was just, just passionate about turning this thing into something that was kind of, you know, alive and kicking and it had a sort of a human face to it. Um, so it's uh, 60 odd modules, uh, covers the 50 habits. Um, and uh, on top of that, I've mentioned there's about 70 odd desktop wallpapers in there, a bunch of other resources um, as well. And um, back end of, uh, of 2019, um, we added a, a certification as well, um, uh, really driven by customer demand, which was a brilliant thing to sort of rip it all out and start again. But I'm so pleased we've done it because um, people love working towards uh, something. You know, it's you know, a certificate, a badge uh, for your Outlook signature. Um, but it, it just shows you know, real progress. Um, and what's really interesting too is that people are, are going through it in, in a couple of different ways. Box set binge, uh, uh, you know, great for new recruits. Um, that, that's really powerful. 
Um, and then uh, secondly, other people are going through it kind of as, as a team, you know, taking a habit every week, uh, perhaps um, or a couple of week, whatever it may be, and using them in team meetings and, you know, uh, for, with discussion as well and, and layering on habit after habit um, over time. Um, and there's about 500 or so people um, who are now um, inside the, the, the program and, and members. Uh, was hoping to make it 5,000 this year. We'll see what happens. So it's interesting. There are certainly people um, still signing up at this, this this tricky time. And I think you know, some people have got more time on their hands. Some people have got less and they're needing to you know, ramp up the, uh, the, the help desk. So everyone's in a different situation. But nonetheless, it, it's there. Um, I'm incredibly proud of it. And um, there's a, a, a trial you can go and grab and you can see a dozen or so other modules. And if you like what you see, uh, you can grab some licenses for your team. Yeah. And as you say, we'll include a link in the show notes here because you've been very kind in giving us a, a specific link for uh, for Top Talk listeners, which we will absolutely include and uh, make sure that they're looked after within that training as well. So we've already touched upon the fact that you are a successful entrepreneur. We uh, talked about customer thermometer and all the other things that you've uh, got going on, the, uh, uh, the, 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 uh, the training, the personal training in the gym and uh, all that sort of stuff that you've got going on, which is a completely different podcast, isn't it? We could talk it about is. the success that you're having there. Um, Fascinating. You've got your first book out, How Does Habit Tours, who has been an undeniably uh, um, fantastic hit and got tons and tons of good feedback. But you're not resting on your laurels because you've got another book just around the corner. So hopefully by the time this podcast goes out, um, the book should either be available for pre-order or perhaps even launch. Tell us about the next book that's coming from the uh, Copeman Empire. Yeah, yeah, that's a very grand word, Richard. <laughs> um, so, uh, touching on some of the um, uh, the words I've already used, you know, the the, the community sort of aspects of, of this um, uh, incredible industry. Um, back in July of, of 2019, I thought, Do you know what would be great. Um, what, there's no one person that has all the answers and has all the, the knowledge here. How about I try and bring a whole bunch of people together into a single book um, with their thoughts, their answers? And I thought look, I can get a hundred people together, or so you know, in a, in a month or two, I can I can crack this book out in, in three months. Uh, jobs are good, and life doesn't work like that, Richard, as I'm sure you well know. Um, so I wrote to somewhere in the region of 405 MSPs and. Um, uh, anyway, I, it's done now. I mean, I'm, I'm really, really proud of the results. So MSP Secrets Revealed um, has got 101 secrets um, spread across. I've already touched on uh, recruitment, sales, marketing, um, operations, um, team management, uh, some personal stories in there, a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and I think in the end, there was something like 88 uh, contributors. So some of them are in, some of them are in twice. Um and I have to say, it's been um, inspiring writing it. So it's a combination of people uh, like your very good self submitting their thoughts and ideas. And I've done a little bit of an edit in some cases. Um, that's probably around about half the submissions. And then the other half has been through interviews. So I've done that at conferences um, on, the, you know, on the plain old telephone service, if you remember that sort of thing, and Zoom and so on. Um, and I, you know, I've just been so inspired by the different things that, that have come out and, um, I'm really looking forward to getting it into the outside world. Uh, as you say, hopefully back end of April, very early May, uh, depending on the mood of the world, but, um, that, that's my plan. And I really hope it inspires. Um, it, it really should do because it's certainly inspired me. Well, I, there's, there's, 
few books that I've seen that are due to come out that have got this degree of anticipation because I every MSP that I speak to is like, oh, uh, you know, you, this this book's coming out. I want to read it. I want to see what's in it. So you've definitely built the uh, the desire for the book there. So I wish you all the best for it. And Thank you. as soon as the book is released, we'll make sure to include it on this in the show notes for this uh, for this podcast show Thanks, as Thank well. You. So yeah, cool. Is there anything else that if you were me, I should be asking you at this point? Oh, goodness. I wish you'd brief me on that question. Um, what's my favorite habit uh, from, from the book? Just going back to help desk habits briefly. Um, that, and, and I, so I'm now going to answer my own question with, I haven't really got an answer to that, which is, which is pretty rubbish, isn't it? But there, there is, there's one that stuck out, which um, uh, I, I talk about when, I, when I, I speak and so on. And, and the reason it sticks out for me is because people stand up and take photos of the slide. And you know you're onto a good thing these days when people are taking photos of slides. And it's a very it's so simple. It's so, so, so simple. Um, and I call it manage expectations. So I've made up a little word. So it's a combination of the word cue and expectations there. And it drives me insane. The number of, and this isn't just for MSPs, but it's for any number of, uh, of industries, uh, where you fire in a ticket via email or via a web form of some kind, and you get that automated response back, which looks like it's, it's come from, you know, Al the computer in, in, in the movie, you know. It's just, it could have been written in binary. Uh, it's just so bad. It's so impersonal. Um, and typically, if we come back to the MSP world and, and PSAs and so on, it's the default message which shipped with the system. And no one has ever thought to go in and change it. Um, from the you know the bog standard, we've received your request. We've allocated it a ticket number, uh, you know, and, and hash 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 at the bottom. And it's like this is this is horrible. So uh, the, the the habit, uh, I guess this is perhaps not quite a habit. It's crowbarred in a little bit, but the tip, the tactic, is to you know, when you've heard this, you think, hang on, that applies to us. Go in, find out how to change those default settings and personalize it. Use a dear first name tag. You know, put a little bit of quirkiness in it, you know, happy Monday, happy Tuesday, whatever it may be, uh, and sign it off. This is the other thing, which is sign off with a real name, not just the help desk team, the technicians, whatever. Give it a real name. Give it an identity. Um, and so when people receive it, it's like, ah, okay, they'll probably know it's auto-generated, but it's got some thought, and that's the human customer service. And I would suggest... Everyone who watches this emails you, Richard Tubb, on a Friday to see a brilliant example of this in action. Because as I'm sure many of you will know, Richard doesn't work Fridays, you know. <laughs> uh, and instead, he puts a fantastic out of office on his email, which is super friendly. It's, it's, and it's quirky and it's brilliant. Basically saying, I don't work Fridays. I'll be back to you on Monday. But I love emailing Richard every Friday just to see the message. <laughs> And poor Holly, my PA. Well, first of all, thanks for that, mate. Thanks for uh, um, uh, telling everybody in the MSP community to email me on a Friday. <laughs> poor Holly, my PA. Of course, I'm not there on a Friday for these del deluge of emails that come in. Uh, poor Holly, um, you know, she she gets tickled every single week when she responds to these emails on a Friday. But yeah, uh, thank you for, for that. Um, and, and thank you for your time today. For anybody who wasn't aware of your work before, um, I think after listening to this, they'll agree with me. You are a world-class expert at this customer service thing. You are a top bloke to boot as well. And we really, really appreciate that you're a, a part of the, the wider MSP community because you do so much good work. Thanks for your time today, mate. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Richard. And you know what? You're not so bad yourself. Uh, you keep doing what you're doing. It's great stuff. <laughs>
<laughs> Before we go, if anybody wants to continue the conversation with you, where can they find you on the interweb? Uh, follow the show note link uh, there to help desk habits and uh, there's a contact form there and they can um, absolutely uh, drop me a line um, it's not a big team uh, you know you're looking at him uh, and a couple of other folks remote so uh, you'll easily get to me fantastic Mark thanks for your time today mate thank you Richard Hey folks, Richard here. Thanks for listening today. I know you've got a ton of options for who you listen to nowadays, so I really appreciate your support. Do you have any feedback on this episode? Ideas for future guests? Tweet me at Tublog using the hashtag TubTalk. I respond to every tweet and really appreciate your feedback. Richard here, and I wanted to give a really big shout out and to say a huge thank you to our friends at Avast for bringing this episode to you. In the face of increasingly complex threats targeting small and medium businesses, yesterday's methods are no longer enough. Cybersecurity must be quicker, smarter, and more reliable than ever before. Avast Business provide a range of powerful, easy to deploy security products and management platforms designed for IT solution providers and managed service providers. Avast Business offer a variety of cybersecurity products that are MSP friendly. You can choose from standalone antivirus products, managed antivirus products, cloud care for layered endpoint and network security services, backup and recovery, content filtering, email security, patch management, and a management console to easily deploy endpoint protection solutions to devices in your client networks. These solutions are all backed by the largest, most globally dispersed threat detection network in the world. If you've not checked out Avast's secure internet gateway, then I'd recommend taking a look at the video demo that Avast's Paul Fenwick and I recorded. It a full security stack as a service that protects users wherever they go. With 30 years as a leading cybersecurity company and over 435 million active users of Avast products, if you haven't already taken a look at what Avast Business is offering, now might be the time. Visit tubblog.co.uk forward slash Avast for links to all the details. <laughs>